Welcome to episode 43 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, learn about the upcoming trends in backpacking gear. Then, the headlamp that illuminates without a lot of complicated button pushing. Next, the backpack hack of the week will show you how to sleep like a baby. Then, we'll wrap up the show with very little humor and a whole lot of trail wisdom. All this, and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. Hey, at the end of every episode, we have this line we say, you know, follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And uh, I don't know if we've actually mentioned how to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. It's just the first 40 miles. So uh, facebook.com slash the first 40 miles and 40 is just the numbers four zero or on Twitter at the first 40 miles. And if you do follow us there, you probably saw back in August this uh, photo of Heather standing in front of two really large letters that were bright orange. The first one was O, the second one was R. And she was at the Outdoor Retailer Show. The Outdoor Retailer Show is in Salt Lake City in this huge palace. They call it the Salt Palace. It's a convention center. And it's a place where people who are in the outdoor industry congregate twice a year and share, learn, brag a little bit, connect a little bit. And everyone kind of has their own purpose in going. The retail buyers, they go there to get their inventory for the coming season. The media people, like me, I go to get ideas, to find out the trends that are coming up in the next season. And uh, the manufacturers are there to show off what they can do and to make connections with some of the exhibitors and maybe some inventors too and see what they can do for those innovators in the backpacking industry. The four days that you spend at Outdoor Retailer really end up supplying you with all kinds of content for the next six months of the podcast. You get gear reviews, spotting trends, looking at issues or hot topics in backpacking. Uh, I mean, it's just such a power-packed four days. You just come home overflowing with information from the show. Well, I think one of the really fun things is seeing the faces behind all of these brands. Because a lot of times you're not just, you know, walking up to a booth and talking to some temp worker who's just just there working the show. You're talking to the actual creator of the product, the inventor. So in some ways, you just kind of walk around the show a little bit starstruck. We also had a little experience right before the show started. They hadn't even opened the doors yet. My kids were with me and one of them was bleeding for some reason. I can't remember if he cut his hand on something or if he skinned his knee. But anyway, I ran into the show and talked to the security guard there and said, hey, do you have access to a first aid kit or anything? And he opened up his wallet and pulled out a Band-Aid and handed it to me. And I just kind of said, oh, you must be an Eagle Scout. And he looked at me and said, I'm a Scoutmaster. (laughs) So even the uh, security guards there, they're all part of the show and they're just great. It's a really fun environment to be in. So for today's top five list, we are sharing with you the top five trends at Outdoor Retailer. 
And these are just kind of what I noticed, what I saw. Of course, I went with backpacking goggles on, so I didn't really pay attention to a lot of the stand-up paddleboarding stuff that was definitely had a huge presence there. There were tons of water sports vendors there, but I really stayed focused on backpacking. The number one trend that I saw at Outdoor Retailer was more options for high-quality food on the trail. I saw words like organic, ancient grains, superfoods, grass-fed beef, real food. There was a lot more attention paid to real, you know, combining real ingredients in bars, in meals, in snacks, in drinks even. And also, along with that high-quality food, they had a lot more creative and exotic flavors. I think Americans in general have become a lot more open-minded over the last, I would say, 10 to 20 years. Things that you would have never seen in a grocery store before are now just a part of your diet. I mean, quinoa, for example, is just one of those things. It was a foreign grain 10 or 20 years ago, and now it's just on your pantry shelf. And another interesting thing that I saw, along with the high-quality food, is that brands that have never really dabbled in the food aisle before are now using their brand and their philosophy to share a new line of interesting food. So I think that's something you'll see more and more I know Patagonia is kind of dabbling in that right now, and they've come up with some really interesting foods, so that's something to look out for. But definitely a lot more options for high-quality food on the trail, and that can only mean good things for us. I think you're right that 10 or 20 years ago, you know, in backpacking, it seems like there were maybe just a couple brands of, uh, say, freeze-dried food, for example. Or if you looked at granola bars, there were a few options. Uh, it just seems like that market has exploded recently. And that there are so many brands with so many different options. Like you said, so many different priorities that you can go after if you're looking for natural or, you know, something more exotic or some more complex flavors or higher quality. There's so many more options available. The number two trend that I saw at Outdoor Retailer this year is adjustable torsos on packs. And that means that the torso length is becoming maybe a thing of the past. And this is good news because it means that packs will become more um, transferable, I guess, or resellable since size doesn't matter. It means you can share your pack with a friend, you can sell your pack when you're finished with it, and the size doesn't need to exactly match up. The torso will be completely adjustable. And you can already see this technology on the Gregory Wander pack that we talked about recently, where it can be adjusted from, you know, a child size 10 to 18. Thule is coming out with a line of packs soon, and they've come out with some fully adjustable packs. So I think that's really exciting. It can only mean great things for backpackers. Adjustable torsos are great news for when you're buying packs for kids. You know, that's really nice to know that you can buy something when your kid is 12 and they can use it for the next half a dozen years and not have to replace a pack every year or two. Uh, but have you been seeing that also in adult packs? Oh, yes, in adult packs. I have a pack made by Deuter and it has the adjustable torso length which was kind of handy last year when it was uh, a week before our trip that I was going on and you decided to come. And uh, I was able to hand you my Deuter pack 
notch down the torso length a couple inches, and you were able to go out, do kind of a test run with it. Uh, you ended up buying your own pack that was a great fit, your Osprey pack. But that adjustability of the Deuter was really nice to have to just, you know, I was able to hand it off to you and you could at least use it. It wasn't completely unfit for you. The number three trend that I saw at Outdoor Retailer is the outdoor lifestyle trend. Now, nearly every established brand has now created a line of lifestyle gear, and this gear is kind of geared for two types of people. Those are the brand loyalists. So if you are just in love with a certain brand and you just want to keep that love going off the trail, then um, they have a complete line. Lots of companies have a complete line of just lifestyle wear. So it's not technical. It's just got their name on it. And then the other type of person that this gear is really meant for is maybe people who want to look like outdoors people or kind of have that, uh, you know, that image. And I guess, you know, there's nothing wrong with outdoor lifestyle gear and clothing, but you need to realize that it's not really um, performance clothing and it's not performance gear. It's really just meant for looks, uh, meant to help you connect with the brand. It doesn't have the technical specifications that make it good for your backpacking adventures. And often weight and materials are sacrificed for looks. I agree. There's nothing wrong with someone walking down the city streets in some cool retro hiking boots or some outfit that just says urban outdoorsman. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Fun stuff to wear. It's a little bit of a red herring, right? Some, yeah. You just have to read the tags, make sure that you're buying something that has performance fabric and not something that is 100% cotton. Yeah, both types of gear will be in the same store. And so you could accidentally pick up some gear with a really well-known brand label on it that looks really cool that's not actually going to perform as backpacking gear. It was just made to look like backpacking gear or to look cool. It's definitely cute stuff. I mean, I have to say, their designers are working overtime. Looks really good. The number four trend that I saw at Outdoor Retailer was tons of vintage design influences. And this goes a little bit with the outdoor lifestyle that we just talked about, but a lot of outdoor brands have actually been around for a long enough time that they have designs that are cool again. What looked frumpy before, what you would never bring on the trail because it's too boxy or too heavy, um, all of those designs have been updated. So the designs from 50 years ago are here again with performance fabrics and lightweight straps and internal frames. So it's exciting to see kind of that vintage look. I wonder, it, it seems like the threshold or the cycle is maybe about two generations. So the stuff that, that you had as a kid growing up is just ugly now. But the stuff that your parents had as kids growing up, well, now that, you know that it's a generation removed, that stuff's cool. Well, this is a little bit different than the outdoor lifestyle stuff because this is the stuff that they actually are using all the latest technologies, the latest fabrics and components with a retro look. Even the colors are retro. You'll see a lot more of those kind of rust orange and... Uh tan color and even um, faux leather trim. And in the Summit Gear Review in a minute, we'll be reviewing a product that fits into this category. It does. 
And the number five trend that I saw at Outdoor Retailer is gear and food for four-legged backpackers. A lot of people want to bring their dogs on trips for companionship and safety, and so companies have been working overtime to create some really great gear for your dog. So this includes things like dog packs, lightweight gear for dogs, shoes that are just for dogs, anything that you can think of that you would bring for dogs on the trail. There are companies that make that gear. And I would love to do an evergreen episode that really spotlights what's out there for dogs. We don't own a dog, and so I feel like we would need to maybe bring on an expert uh, to help us out with that. There are also some really great food options for dogs on the trail. There's meal replacement bars. I even saw food that was rabbit jerky, 100% rabbit jerky that still had the hair on it. And dogs, I guess, go crazy for that. So, yeah, there's some really fun stuff out there for those four-legged backpackers. Well, all of these trends will probably make their way into the podcast in various forms over the next few months as we talk about different products and different considerations when you go backpacking. But the first one is making it on right now in the Summit Gear Review. This is... So exciting because back when I first found out about this, I was really excited to share it on the show. And finally, it's out. We alluded to it in episode 26, and that was when we talked about the Yuko Micro Candle Lantern, and we said that Yuko is coming out with something really exciting this fall, and it's called the Yuko Comfort Fit Headlamp. It's a headlamp that is super simple to use. It's bright and it's completely dimmable. So for structure, the headlamp has a neoprene headband, so it's super comfortable without sacrificing weight. The battery pack on this headlamp is in the back in a slim little pocket, and that means the light is on the front. It has a nice balance. It just has a simple band that goes around the head. It doesn't have that cross band over the head that a lot of headlamps have. Because the band is neoprene, you don't really have slipping issues. And of course, it's completely adjustable. Since the lens is on the front of the headlamp and the battery pack is in the back, there's actually kind of a zigzag cord that goes from the front to the back. Yuko really did a great job with styling on this headlamp, and we talked about in the top five list about those vintage design influences that we've been seeing. Yuko was established in 1971, and so it looks like they really had a fun time giving this kind of that heritage throwback look using still really lightweight performance material, but just giving it the vintage look. This headlamp has the technology that never existed back then, like, uh, you know, it's LED lighting, obviously, and fully adjustable, but it completely looks like it came out of 1971. If it looked like it came out of 1981, I just don't know if I'd have that many great things to say about it, but 1971 was pretty sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it's technical gear with a really fun vintage feel. As far as utility goes, the light itself can be tilted down to Almost a 90 degree angle, not quite. What would you say? Maybe a 75 degree angle. If it went any further, it's just going to be shining in your eyes anyway. So it's perfect when you're using a map or if you don't want to blind people as you walk around with this lamp on your forehead, um, just tilt it down a little. 
it's super simple to use. If you twist the light to the right, you feel kind of a click, and that's what turns on the red night vision light. And that red light is so you won't lose your night vision. So you can still look at books, look at maps, look for gear. And when you turn off the red light, you'll still be able to kind of see, you know, in the moon glow, you'll still be able to see your surroundings and not be completely blinded. If you twist the light to the left, it starts out as a very dim light that can, as you twist it, go up to 120 lumens. And I love that it starts out super dim. On some lights, you know, you do the click, 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 then you kind of end up blinding yourself no matter what you do because you're just clicking through the cycles. Here you have the option to turn on the lamp at its dimmest capacity and keep it there, and then you just twist it back to turn it off. You don't have to cycle through all the different brightness levels. I have a headlamp where the number of pushes on the button determines how bright it is. And of course, the first push of the button is full brightness. Well, when I'm out backpacking, pretty much every time that I turn on my lamp, I push the button three times because I don't need full brightness, but I get full brightness on the very first push of the button. Yeah, and you and always it, put your hand over the lens so it won't blind you, and then you push, 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 and then... That's right. I completely cover the lamp with my hand, do the three pushes, then I take my hand off to get that you know, not-too-bright light. Uh, Yuko really got it right. It's just a dial, so if you want it full brightness, you just dial it to full brightness. I mean, it's super quick. But if you just turn it a little bit, you're starting out at the dimmest setting, and then you bring it up from there. It's yeah. brilliant. It's like a dimmer switch in your dining room in your house. It works exactly like that. The maximum output, you said, is 120 lumens. I was trying to compare that to something... Um, a standard household light bulb puts out about 800 lumens, but that's not really a fair comparison because the household light bulb is putting out 800 lumens in a sphere, right, in all directions. And this, of course, is directing the light output in, in a kind of a beam. So this ends up being, at least I perceived it to be a very bright at its brightest setting. I, I felt like it would be more than enough light for me, you know, out on, a, on the trail. They do have a 45 lumen version of this lamp. It's about $10 less. So if you felt like 120 was too much light, then um, you could go down to the 45 lumens and that would probably save on battery use as well. Yeah, the brighter the lamp, the quicker it's going to run through your batteries. Well, for mass, this weighs 3.6 ounces or 101 grams. And that is with the batteries included. So 3.6 ounces in total. For maintenance, you'll just need three AAA batteries and then pack three extra AAA batteries in your pack in a little Ziploc bag or something just in case. Uh, well, so I guess you alluded to the fact that it's not rechargeable. This is not a rechargeable lamp, although I'm hoping that all technology in the future is rechargeable technology because it's so handy, especially with the growth of solar and those solar options for recharging on the trail. It would be really nice to have all electronics be rechargeable. While I was prepping for this episode, I noticed that Black Diamond has one lamp that's rechargeable. So they're starting to, hopefully they're starting to come and more will follow suit. As I mentioned before, this headlamp is fully adjustable and it's a it's a Velcro type closure. I don't know the 
actual name of the Velcro that they use because it's it's not your grandma's Velcro. It's not the Velcro from 1971. It's a little bit flatter and it's a newer style of hook and loop, which is a lot less likely to snag on your nice performance clothing or your wool base layers. So that's really nice. If you're throwing your headlamp in your pack, you don't want it to snag all of your stuff. I'm not saying it won't snag, but it's a lot less likely than that old-fashioned Velcro that um, most of the older headlamps would have on them. For investment, this headlamp is $39.99, and as we mentioned, the step down from that is $29.99, and that's for the Comfort Fit 45 lumen lamp. Well, let's talk about trial. How has this lamp worked out for you? I've been excited about this lamp since I heard about it, and I don't want to say that it's a headlamp for dummies, But that's exactly what I loved most about it. I bought a headlamp for camping a few years ago, and it had one button that had a variety of functions, depending on how long you held it and how many times you pressed it, kind of like yours, Josh. But in the end, it was too complicated for the single task it was designed for. Maybe I'm just old school. Maybe I'm just used to the plastic flashlights with the Duracells that, you know, you push the button one direction and it turns on and you push it the other direction and it turns off. So I really love it when gear does what it's supposed to do in the simplest way possible. So it turns on when you twist the dial and it turns off when you twist the dial back. You twist it the other direction and it gives you that red light just for, um, for night vision. It's very simple. It's extremely comfortable, which if you go to Yuko's website, they really talk up the comfort. But I was just way more excited about the simplicity for the user experience. I really thought that was its strongest point. It's lightweight, it's well-designed, and it does what I needed to do, shine. For today's backpack hack of the week, we are sharing the dollar store fleece blanket. Josh and I are both on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to one thing, pillows. If we were to have an invader come into our home in the middle of the night and steal each of our pillows, Josh would easily go right back to sleep and possibly even mutter, thank you. I, on the other hand, would awaken in a rage and fight anyone who dares to remove the pile of pillows I have under my head. So when I started car camping with our family, I really wanted to have a pillow, like a setup, that was going to help me get a good night's sleep. So of course with car camping, you can just bring your pile of pillows. I don't think much about pillows, and as you said, it's kind of like I find the the flattest pillow that I can, and then I give the other four pillows to you. (laughs) And when I go out backpacking, it's like, yeah, whatever. I'll throw a fleece jacket under my head or a stuffed sack of clothing. Um, I was listening to the uh, episode 28 of the Into Backpacking podcast uh, recently. If you want to follow that podcast, it's the, the letter N the number two, and then the word backpacking, into backpacking. And Bird Shooter, the host, was interviewing a couple who had done some through hiking. And at one point he asked them, you know, what's the most amazing piece of gear that you have acquired? And uh, the man surprisingly said, you know, you're not going to believe this, but it's this pillow that I got. I never thought much about pillows, but ever since I got this pillow, I just sleep so much better. And so it got me to thinking, you know, maybe I don't really put enough 
thought into what I'm putting my head on at night. And a little extra effort there in, in making a good pillow, it might be more important than I thought it was. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> As I began backpacking, I knew that I couldn't bring my entourage of pillows. So in order to keep things light, I used a stuffed sack full of clothes to kind of give me that loft of a pillow. But the outside of the stuffed sack is always so crinkly and cold on your face. So my simple solution to this problem is to wrap my full stuff sack in a dollar store fleece blanket. And you can find these cheap little fleece blankets on the baby aisle of the dollar store and they end up being the perfect size. They not only muffle the crinkle of the stuff sack, but they also keep my face really warm. And how much do these cost? A dollar. A dollar. A dollar. How can about you believe that? it? Unless you live in a state that charges tax. Oh, lucky us. (laughs) Then you might want to bring along five to nine cents extra to pay tax. Okay. Don't make people feel bad they don't live here. We have had some really cool listeners who have told us they've moved to Oregon. So I'm not saying it's us that influenced that decision, but... um, Yeah, well, you know, they took responsibility for their life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so your two options are Oregon or Delaware. Oregon is a lovely place to live, but we need more outdoors people in Delaware. So So we need some people to go to Delaware (laughs) and kind of take care of things there. Okay, a call for outdoors people to move to Delaware. We need more people there that are outdoorsy. Well, if you're lucky, you may even find a dollar store blanket with an embroidered elephant on it or a moon with a hat on it. Also trending in the backpacking gear world. Moons with hats on them. So if you want to get a great night's sleep, go ahead and grab a dollar store fleece blanket. It's a dollar and it might just be the thing that works for you. Are we ready for some jokes? Are we ever ready for these jokes? (laughs) Well, if you remove the oxygen absorber from freeze-dried foods just to save a few grams, you might be a backpacker. If you think getting fired from your job is actually an invitation to sit around a fire, you might be a backpacker. If you've ever eaten a package of cold, rehydrated potato flakes after a full day of trekking, Because getting out the stove was going to be too exhausting. You might be a backpacker. (laughs) Oh, boy. I would love it if we had some listeners who would like to contribute some you might be a backpacker jokes. Maybe help us raise the quality a little. (laughs) Raise the quality and... um, You want to share your liability with others. Oh, well, that joke came from so-and-so, so blame them. (laughs) Exactly. How about some trail wisdom? Well, sometimes I find a really great quote and it's attributed to unknown or anonymous. And so I do the very best that I can to find who actually said the quote. And a lot of times even quotes are misattributed to people. You know, you find out that Walt Disney said the same thing that Walt Whitman did. 
So today's quote is said by unknown, but what we do know about it is that Andy Rooney did not say this at any time ever in his life. So this one was misattributed to Andy Rooney? It sure was, and I think Snopes was the one that got the truth out there. But Andy Rooney did not say, Everyone wants to live on top of the mountain, but all the happiness and growth occurs while you're climbing it. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. I really stayed focused on backpacking. (laughs) Okay. I'm convinced. (laughs) Thank you.